Hello, beloved listeners, and welcome to Snake People at the Movies, film criticism by people who actually like film. Join us as we dive into movies we love, movies we respect, and movies we wish we could unsee. It's the podcast where we talk about growing up and living queer, nerdy, and depressed, online and at the cinema. From the kids who just want to go solve a mystery with Hercule Poirot, it's Sneeple at the Movies. I'm Ezra. I'm Helena. And I'm Maddie. And uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our what we've seen for this week. And then we're going to reveal the topic of the episode like uh, fucking somebody jumping out of a cake and <laughs> singing in the rain or something. <laughs> Let that cake be 20 comic. years you, you know, know me, me and you don't want to see me jump out of the <laughs> cake. Jump out of the cake. You, you insult, insult me. me. I was so hoping that that was the joke that was going to come out of that. <laughs> Same brain. Same brain. Same brain. <laughs> Same brain. Same brain. Same brain. Um, oh my god. Anyway, so I didn't see very much. Uh, I rewatched rewatched uh, John Wick three. Still fucking rules. Um, I watched rewatched Jurassic Park. Still fucking rules. Uh, and then I saw the Henry Five with Kenneth Branagh with Z. We watched that together. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever seen it, even though people for years have been like, "Matthew, please." <laughs> I've been like, "Yeah," and then I didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I finally it's okay, watched it. We still it. love you. Hey, thank you. Um, and God, it was so good. God, it was so good. <laughs> um, I just started a new job. Um, as you may have noticed, just because. Of the last couple of weeks, we had an unexpected, like, we were going to do three weeks in a row, and we didn't. Um, I Partly, it's because I just started a new job, so I've been super busy, so I have not had a chance to watch a lot of things. Capitalism. Understandably. Really yeah. cuts into your film appreciation time. God, tell me about yes. it. Yes. Though, thankfully, with my new job, the work-life balance is a lot better, so actually, I think it'll end up so I have more time to watch movies now, which, which is, is so good. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Yes. Thank you. Um, so that's that's what I've seen, which is not much. Uh, Ezra, I think you should go first. Oh, no, you go first because mine has a doofy segue into the topic of this episode. Oh, okay. Um, so I've watched a few movies. Um, let's see. I've, <laughs> I've rewatched. I rewatched Rear Window a couple weeks ago when I was feeling low. Nice. Um... I rewatched Four Weddings and a Funeral with Madeline uh, uh. from the podcast, which I am counting as part of my Hugh Grant Rotten Tomatoes challenge, even though it is not in order. It's just like, I watched it. That's fine. And we chose it randomly out of a series of movies that I brought over to uh, her house to watch uh, while we prepped Halloween costumes. So I'm counting it. Um, it was good. Okay. But when you get back to it in the order, are you going to watch it again? No, I am not. <laughs> oh, okay. Because, I, because I've watched it, like, twice very recently. I've also okay. seen it a million times, too, so I can just, like, watch it in my brain if I need to, like, oh, shoot, I need to watch what I said at funeral. <laughs> okay. Boop. It's time to just like sit it, like zone out on the bus, watch four weddings and a funeral in your head. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I discovered while I was at Madeline's a beautiful, beautiful thing, which is that if you let the disc just play to the end of the credits, it restarts. Uh, no way! <laughs> so, we were just like, is infinite, it gonna start Infinite again? recursion is it of, gonna go of to the menu? That's the beauty, beauty, the beauty of Blu-rays. It just start from the very beginning. Um, 
That's bonkers. I also rewatched Henry V. So weird how that happens. Um, <laughs> God, I wonder why. Rewatched that with a my hint. parents. Um, it's a big family movie in our house. My parents reference it a lot, so we were we all rewatched it together. My my dad <laughs> so actually funny. brought it up. He was like, "You want to rewatch Henry V? And I was like, "Yeah." Actually, I do. Yeah. Actually, Father, I would love that. Actually, Father. and uh, Delightful. Last night, I rewatched Before Sunrise, which is the first movie in the Before trilogy. Um, I've been meaning to for a few weeks now because I recently um, spent, like, not a lot of money, but, like, enough money on the Criterion version of the Before trilogy, which is seemingly uh, the only way that you can find it anymore on dvd anyway wait, seriously it's really hard to find on dvd like the individual movies and uh criterion oh, no is one of the only ways that i found to um to get it or it's like it was just like really expensive for some reason um it was still expensive dvds it's a bitch yeah it was still expensive on criterion but i there was a sale so i was like eh. Yeah. Nice. Um. Anyways, and we watched that. I watched rewatched that last night with my dad too, and it was great. And I was like, "This is sad and uh, and happy, and I want them to be in love forever." Anyway, uh, love before sunrise, <laughs> and I'm gonna make my parents watch the other two movies in the future. Hooray! Um. Then okay, so okay, all right, I'm gonna get through this. Here are the new movies that I have seen. <laughs> um. Here are the two. That are did not come out this year that I watched uh, that were first time watches. One of them was Tucker and Dale versus Evil, <laughs> which <laughs> I which has been on my Netflix queue. I swear what to God for like that? several years. Oh my God! It is a comedy horror movie uh, okay. about two uh, hillbillies who um, run into a group of college students when they're out vacationing on their in their like this cabin that they bought, and the and the teenage student teenagers. Or college students start accusing them of like horrible, the horrible deaths that start occurring, and all of these evil things that start happening, and they're just trying to help. Um, so it's a subversion uh. of all of the of those types of like slasher films in which it's always like the backcountry, like you know, folk who that are actually Alan Tudyk is in it. Pr- oh shit, yeah. that actually sounds like pretty fun. It was pretty fun. I re- I really enjoyed okay. it. It was really fun. Alan Tudyk does play one of the hillbillies. He plays. Um, I think he plays Dale. Um, Okay. I can't well, remember. I love Alan Tudyk, so yeah, it was, I, I great. know, right? <laughs> the, co- the college students are so stupid. <laughs> just, um, they're just like, oh my god, he's like kidnapping her, and he's trying to resuscitate this girl after she's fallen into a lake, and uh, it's great. Um, and then I also <laughs> watched Lupin the Third, the Castle of Cagliostro. Yay! Nice. And it was delightful, and I loved it. And then I God, texted. See, now I have to watch it. You do. I texted Maddie that night, like, I kind of should I watch Lupin the Third? Got him. The end. Very, very happy about that. Uh, and the 2019 movies that I saw were The Lighthouse and Pain and Glory and Parasite. Um, oh man, The Lighthouse! Oof. I Lighthouse Yikers. is fun. Um, I I didn't really like it that much, but it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any okay. sense. Okay. Uh, um, I mean, you know, there's we plenty did of one, movies like that. In this one. one part of our tagline is movies we respect. Yes, <laughs> the filmmaking is very, very good. Um, it, this, it's the sound design is insane. It looks incredible. 
The performances are like off the wall. It's very, very fun. But I was like, I just didn't really get anything out of this. Ultimately, a lot of people are, yeah, and that's great. That's um, it'll probably do very well this I year. I do go ham for good sound design. So it's amazing, yeah. Ezra. You will, and it's also like it's all like lighthouse and ocean sound sound design. So okay. you will die. Isn't it white and black? It's yeah, it's white and black, baby. Black and white. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to. Thirty-five I'm mil. Have to thirty-five see if, mil. Like, I hope it's still playing in in Beham because I would like to go see it. I've just been like apocalyptically busy. Yeah, no, I feel that. Um, oh, Pain and Glory is the new Pedro Almodovar film with Antonio Banderas, um, nice. who was love it incredible and wonderful, and it's about a filmmaker reflecting back on his life and everything. That old story, but um, very very yeah. new and um, refreshing. Um, very very beautiful film, and then Parasite. Um, Cleared my skin and, and paid my student loans and did my taxes for me. It was fucking amazing. God, I want to see it. It was. I swear to God, I I, I can't. It's one of the, Parasite is and everybody is going to be you know is, has already been saying this all year and and everything, but um, it's just kind of one of those movies that makes other movies like look good. Like the sheer art of movie making seems worth it just because this movie exists. You know what I mean. Um, that's a pretty damn. high praise you know it's Holy just shit. like so fucking good um and i don't want to i don't want to say anything about the plot um too much because it's just it's really good if you don't go in with any expectations um so yeah i saw all of those movies it's been a hot minute damn Helen. i've been like boom 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 um uh, yeah We've also haven't recorded in a hot minute too. So we have this, this is fair. and I've been going through yeah, okay. some shit uh, at work that so I've needed um, some ways to Comfort. escape. Yeah, escape. Yeah, escape. Yes. Um, escape. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Helena did all of the movie watching for me. <laughs> Apparently, because my uh, what I've seen thing says dot 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 bon appetit videos question mark. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, it's the same old shit. Oh, what's Ezra doing? Well, watching Critical Role. Um, (laughs) I mostly playing a lot of D&D. I play a lot of D&D. And also reading. Like, I've definitely been reading more than I've been watching stuff. Um, I just read a book called Ink and Bone by Rachel Kane. It's the Mm. first book in a series called The Great Library. Um, I want to read it. It's really good. It's, it's, it has really interesting world building that's not too, like, lore dump heavy. Um, its central conceit really fascinates me. The idea is that the Library of Alexandria was never destroyed. Instead, they like it. It, it was almost destroyed, and then they set up all these what they call daughter libraries, um, with with the, with the idea that the information wouldn't all be stored in one place. But it's not like they invented the printing press really early or something. They found out how to duplicate, how to do like a controlled duplication of text with magic. And so the idea, and so the idea is that everybody can access, can, can get books from the library on what they call blanks, which are kind of like tablets. 
but it's completely controlled by the library. There is no such thing as a printing press. Wow. And so the oh. li- so the the library is like the big the single biggest political for like like non-governmental organization on the planet. It's everywhere. Huh. Um it's and it's all, you know, it's kind of all powerful and all seeing, um but ostensibly benevolent. Um, but of course because it, it you know, because it's this kind of book or is it? <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but it's got it's got great characters um it's just it's a good yarn you know it really i was i it was a page turner um and i really loved it and i'm eagerly awaiting there's like i think five books i think the latest one just came out not that long ago and i'm like when is my hold going to come in on libby <laughs> for the next one so uh yeah that's oh and also um I was having a really bad day, and so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rewatch the pilot of The Librarians. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a extremely fun and doofy show that I think was on TNT. Um, it's all on Hulu now, and I realized that I had never finished, I, I had like, I had never watched the last season of it, like I had, it had come out, I like watched the the, for the existing three seasons, and then like, the fourth one came out, but I couldn't, I didn't have cable, so I couldn't watch it right away. Um, so I was watching it on, uh, Hulu, just like on my PS4 in the living room, and then my roommate came out and sat on the couch and was like, oh, what's this about? And I got like, intensely embarrassed all of a sudden. Cause this show is not highbrow at all. Nah. Like it's it's definitely That's like right, the though. it is, but it's like it's definitely like the goofiest thing that I watch. Full stop. It is like the single goofiest television show that I've ever enjoyed. Um, because it's you know it's it's fun and exuberantly nerdy and silly and all of this stuff, and I like all of the characters and and it just makes me happy. But I I was like, oh wow, like. Why am I suddenly so defensive about this? And then I, like, went off into this spiral about thinking about, like, guilty pleasure. Like, the idea of, like, guilty pleasure media. And, like, the the way that, like, I feel the need to defend thing, things that I like if they're not, like, sufficiently, quote-unquote, highbrow. Um... And I felt like that led in really well to the subject of this week's episode, which is uh, the filmography of Sir Kenneth Charles Branagh. <laughs> That's his middle name? Charles? His middle name is Charles. Yeah. Charles. Charles. Char- yeah. Anyway. Fancy. Um, yeah. For who, who, despite, you would not know it from the name, grew up, like, in a really poor, shitty part of Belfast like originally he's irish yeah man oh yeah i didn't know um, northern irish right? yeah he, i mean yeah he's from he's from northern ireland yeah. um his family i think they moved when he was like they moved when he was like a kid to like reading i think or something but yeah. he definitely like he will he will periodically just be like i am irish and like i consider myself irish <laughs> Which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so the thing about, like, I I love, I uncomplicatedly love, well, sometimes complicatedly, but largely uncomplicatedly love the work of Ken Branagh. And I feel like sometimes I end up defending his movies and 
storytelling choices and stuff because they often are fairly they're broad they're like they're like broad they're like strong emotional beats you know his movies are very like not up their own ass actually Mm -hmm. um and so i was just thinking about how much like i really hate my impulse to like feel like get defensive about liking things that people think aren't like sufficiently intellectually rigorous or something because like fuck you i don't care so yeah that was that was my uh that was my segue also i would like to point out that this despite this episode being about kenneth Branagh, the first thing in the google doc is just wife in bold and then it's a gif of emma thompson from henry v look <laughs> yeah, well, I love her, so you know? whatever. Uh, me too. <laughs> I tried to find like literally any gift from Henry V, and the only ones that I could find were this be- this beautiful gift of her just being like, mm, he's trying to flirt with me, and he's not good at it at the end of Henry V. And I was and like, I find she's that got- inexplicably charming. Yeah. She's got some really just brilliant micro expressions going on right there. <laughs> So yeah, let's uh let's go ham. I was like, oh, do I need to do like a little bio of Ken Brenna? And like, nah. no, you know what? Look That's up. what IMDb is for. Look up his yeah. fucking Wikipedia page. We're just here to talk about how much uh we all and like especially Maddie and I, I think yeah. like I know Helena's a little bit more like qualified in her appreciation <laughs> whereas maddie and i have this th- i'm like i especially have this thing where i'm like oh i'm sorry is ken Brana crying on film so am i <laughs> but that, i want to start I, I just connect with, i don't know i just find his screen presence really compelling and accessible and emotionally resonant and i always have <laughs> yeah and there's nothing wrong with that you don't have to defend <laughs> like obviously there i, I am i'm doing it like, again yeah i think we all have somebody where it's like you know like no matter like i just find you a extremely compelling person to watch um and that's i feel that way about him too so you know whatever um he's obviously uh, a bit of a polarizing figure i think in the film world sometimes specifically like the theater world I think we should start with his like shakespeare adaptations because that's like a big point of like Kenneth Branagh, the man, the myth, the legend, is his Shakespeare <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's also where he started. So I think that that's that's where yeah. we should go with. Absolutely. Um, um. So yeah, Henry V, which we all just rewatched, uh, <sighs> except for Maddie, who got to see it for the first time. Which, like, oh, it man. was such a fucking, it was such a fucking privilege to be watching that movie with you while you were seeing it for the first time. <sighs> thank you, thank you. He I cried. made that movie when he was twenty nine years old. Okay, so yeah, actually, that, he it, never directed a film before. It came out when he was twenty nine. He was making it yeah, when he, he was, was twenty eight. He was younger than that when he was yep. doing that production with the. RSC, I believe. He was 20... Kenneth Branagh is, I think, still the youngest actor to ever play Henry V at the Royal Shakespeare. Ah! He was 23 during the 1984-1985 RSC season. It closed... I believe it closed the season, and it was... I, I'd have to look... I, I meant to look up the person who directed it, um, but it was... You. Yeah, if you want to... Oh my god, no! His hair! What? Oh, it's terrible. Um, no, it's just... It, <laughs> I love it. There's so it, much this, of it. This production was, 
revolutionary. It, it was utterly, it went against all of the conventional wisdom about what kind of play Henry V was, which was, it had been defined since the Second World War by the Olivier film. This idea that it was a jingoistic kind of feel-good piece of British war propaganda, because that's what Laurence Olivier delivered at the time, because that was what people needed. And the guy who directed it, who... Adrian Noble. Uh, really... It was Adrian fucking Noble. Adrian yeah, Noble. Right. Uh. Thank you. It's a fucking Adrian Noble, of course. So Adrian Noble decided, kind of just looked at this play and went, well... This is like, cause, cause Britain, it was 1984, 1985, like Britain was in crisis. You had the troubles, you had Thatcher, you had all of this stuff. And it was, they decided to use this sort of play that everybody conceived of as representing the soul of Britain to make, to sort to encourage some self-reflection and encourage interrogation of the legitimacy of empire and the horrors of war and all of this stuff and it, it really it really turned this play back on itself in a fascinating way and the centerpiece of that was was casting henry as this at the time i mean the man was a twig <laughs> like he's <laughs> he's not he's baby i mean He's pretty fucking twinky in this. You can see it in this picture. He's like his his shoulders are really broadened out with this costume, but you can see how thin he is. He's like a he's baby. He's he's so he's 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 twenty three, fresh faced, strawberry blonde, like serious baby face, and he's he's physically way smaller and shorter than most of the uh, older actors playing his, the lords and all of this stuff. Mm. He looks fragile. Oh um, god, I'm sorry. You, you, I've you know, seen really, the photo now and I yeah, just remembered the hair. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks he, he's he's vulnerable and dynamic and 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 sort of there's this element of this there's a promise there but you're not sure if it's going to make it mhm mm and you're not sure if it, you're not sure if it's going to make it through intact um and it was just like this really people were really it it, it was a big turning point in in certain ways cuz this was also like there were a lot of really well-known productions happening in the, those two years. I have a thing for the history of the Royal Shakespeare Company that, like, that's a rabbit hole I don't need to go down. <laughs> but then, like, he he just, he's, the guy's, like, 27 or 28, and he's like, fuck it, I want to put that on screen. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? I and and it's and it's nuts. He he just people and he were really does it. Man. He, he recruits. You know he recruits this like honor roll of British theater and film actors to be in it. He got Brian Blessed through, from the stage production. He got Brian Blessed from the stage production. He gets Judy Dench to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah, just you know. because and she she's like hardly in it but she's there and she's fabulous it's like every single every single fucking actor in that movie is a who's who of either big name or character actor 
like British actors from that generation and the next yeah. generation and also Kenneth Branagh. Like it's like every fucking person is in it, even if you don't know their names. Um, and it's yeah. insane, and they're all brilliant. He he. Th- this is a man who a, the way the story he likes to tell is that he saw Derek Jacobi play Hamlet when he was fifteen. Thought, oh. I want to do that someday. Did he fucking did it, and then man. fucking got Derek Jacobi to be in fucking Henry V and Hamlet <laughs> and Hamlet. <laughs> After <laughs> after Adrianople directed him, at Kenneth in uh, in Hamlet at the Barbican, back in oh. like ninety two or something like that. Uh, Nineteen ninety two at the Barbican. Yep. yep, those photos are. That's um. It's it's all uh. It's an Edwardian design, and it's uh really important. Very very important. <laughs> hey, remember Hamlet um, and Hamlet? Brief tangent. Remember Hamlet and Hamlet had Rose and Prince and Guildenstern. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Road to El Dorado gets even better when you remember that Miguel yes. and Tulio are played by, uh, Kenneth Branagh Kenneth and Kevin Klein. Oh, Hamlet and Hamlet is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Just love it so much. Anyway, sorry. So, yeah. Anyway, the, let's just, like, I I need to yell about Henry V for just, like, two more minutes because... Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just love this movie. It's it's such a great it preserves everything about the emotional depth and scale of a stage production that I love while embracing the f- medium of film. It does gorgeous things with close-ups and framing and people coming in and out of like the way the way that you can have blocking be really different because you control the camera not just the stage um like (sighs) the traitors at Mm. southampton when he fucking grabs you know it's it's all in like fairly wide you know fairly like middle distance shots up until then and then he grabs Scroop by the front of his jerkin <sighs> slams flips them around and slams him on the table and all of a sudden the focus just tightens down to all you can see is like a is like the like both of them in profile and Henry's one bare hand on Scroop's cheek and then the crown sitting on his chest yeah it's so visceral like one it's sexy as fuck (laughs) not gonna lie but it's it's so it's so visceral and it it, it, the the interplay of the image of the king with the man that you you when when you when you see the full image of the king versus when you get drawn in and just see the man is like it's really really fucking good and that scene what's also super sexy um just from a filmmaking standpoint (laughs) is when brian blessed as the duke of exeter is ripping the chain like they're um what what are they called the uh i they're just like chains of chains uh, it's it's their mail or whatever yeah, um, they're they're wearing these like big necklaces that have their like symbol that they're a noble on, and them. and he changes it because so Scroop is the one that um 
Henry has that intimate speech with. And in the script, yeah. in the original text, it's Richard Earl of Cambridge, Lord Scrip of Masham, and Thomas Gray. So yeah, they, they the switch it in the in movie. The the- yeah, so that he gets, he like rips it off. I arrest thee of high treason, Richard Earl of Cambridge, rip. Arrest thee of high treason, uh, Thomas Gray, Knight of Northumberland, rip. And then rip. I arrest thee of high treason, Henry, Lord Scrip of Masham, rip. And then he slaps him across slaps the face. Slaps him in the face. And you can see yeah. the guy throughout that scene as they're telling him, yeah. here's, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to fucking die um yeah like him just like so close to losing it in that uh and he breaks down at the he end does. he does he finally he's he starts crying Ugh, and it and it because yeah. it because he it slaps him and it turns his face toward the fixed camera yes. so you've been seeing you see all three of them in profile kind of lined up and then it flips him all the way around to seeing him full face mm. and he breaks down he breaks into tears that's the thing that i really finally. love about this whole thing in this movie that he tends to do with all of his stuff but that i think is especially notable in this one that you know what you said about him being more about um just pure emotion rather than like like filmic tricks or like style that kind of thing it's true because he's like focusing on the actors faces and what they're thinking and their interactions with each other and what they're saying and like any any like long speech pretty much like um like Judy Dench, uh, God, what Mr. Uh, Quickly's um, <sighs> Quickly. uh, death of Falstaff speech and Ugh. and his speech uh, of upon the king is like not very many cuts. It's just like them no. talking, and he just lets the camera sit on them and get closer and clo- maybe close in on them a little bit. But it just lets them talk, and because he he trusts the actor's ability or his own ability or Judy Dench's ability or whomever to just do the job and the camera will will capture it and it won't be too much or too little and i think that that just works really well it's something that i think he loses a bit later on and like much ado about nothing but to be fair like that's a different genre a, so it's it, it's it is it's, a very different genre. yeah it's though. it's fair if it's a bit more like um a bit more jumpy and a bit more fast-paced but um just letting the actors emote on screen and trusting them is something that I think is really valuable in that movie and it works so well and I I think that part of the sort of the lingering camera shots uh, and the the way that things just you're forced to just sit Mm -hmm. with with specific things and and even like cutting stuff that's like funny or frankly kind of iconic like the whole thing with um when one of the soldiers challenges him to a challenges Henry to a duel when he's in disguise. Right. And then he like has this whole thing after the battle and he just cuts that out entirely because you, you want to have time to sit with these other elements of the film and with the other, it was other elements of the text. Yeah. And it, it gives it this elegiac quality to it that I think is, is just really, really, not the way that you would ever have seen Henry V up until this stage production and this film. Yeah. But then when you see when you see it now, it's like you can't ever go back. This this take on that story complicated it so beautifully that it's it's like you you are always going to be in dialogue with this take on this story after it happened which is like i don't like to talk about definitive productions of things very often 
but I think in some ways this is one of the definitive productions of Henry V, and it yeah. deserves to be. Which is funny because before it came out, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people were, you know, like, how dare this young whippersnapper direct Henry V with Lawrence Olivier's Henry V as the definitive, you know, film version of Henry oh, V. Oh, yeah. And then it came out, and people were like, holy shit, man. Like, I've talked to several yeah. people, mostly of my parents' generation, who were, like, in their 30s and 20s when this came out, who were, like, who saw this in theaters and were like, oh, my God. Like, I've never seen, I've never seen Shakespeare done like this on film. It was incredible. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, like, whatever whatever else your your personal feelings about Kenneth Branagh and his, like, Man, people really like to be like, oh, he's like so egotistical. And then I love when he's in interviews, he's like, man, people are always like, oh, like such and such, like he thinks he's the next Olivier. And he's like, I would be like the (laughs) biggest jackass in the world to actually say that. Like, I don't think that. He actually, actually, he's like, um, I am the next Olivier, and I'm going to play him in my week with Marilyn, and I'm going to do oh, it yeah, and he, and better than Lawrence Olivier. And then he turns and one, plays Lawrence Olivier in my week with Marilyn, and gets nominated for an Oscar, and two, yeah. when, when does the Kenneth Branagh Theatre Company season at the Garrick, and closes it out with a role that was originated by Lawrence Olivier and knocks it out of the fucking... He's just like, you want Olivier? Fine. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> just so chef good. kiss. I just... You know, there's just this element of... he He's just always... Like, people really want Kenneth Branagh to be, like, a part of, of the ivory tower, like, British cultural establishment. And he kind of is. But there's also just this undercurrent of, like, short, scrappy asshole from Belfast under there. Yeah. And it just makes everything better. It's kind of like, if you weren't, if you don't know the backstory to it, he's been in the business long enough now where he does have a lot of uh, influence and and uh, and what's the word I'm looking for? Not power necessarily, but like yeah, where he is considered Cache. part of that like that that group of like powerful, influential British stage actors. But there was a yeah. time when like. Of course, he was the one who was, like, the outsider and the interlocutor back when it was much, much worse and much more classist and um, anti-Irish than it is now. It still is, I'm sure, but, like, back when he was starting in the 80s and 70s, like, whew. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I mean, you know, he's, yeah. (laughs) He did, I do have one issue with him. I have only one issue with him, and it's a big issue, but we can get to that later when we talk about what to do about nothing. But it's not, it's not Uh, anything to do with his work. It's just him. (laughs) It's, it has, yeah, it has nothing to do with his work. No, I, I absolutely, I I know where you're going with this. And, and I, yes. Let's go. Let's, let's get into it. Let's just use that as a segue into much. Yeah. All right. So, so he, let's he, talk about Ken and Emma. He was married let's, to Emma let's Thompson. Talk about Ken and Emma. He was married to Emma yeah. Thompson, who was one of the most beautiful women in, to ever exist on this planet. Um, and yeah. he fucked it up. And he cheated on her with Helena Bonham Carter. And um, he's a dumbass. And, believe it. And what's hilarious to me about that is, I'm, and I remember <sighs> thinking this when he made that live action Cinderella, is that. He was with Helena Bonham Carter for a relatively brief period of time. And then she yeah. started yes, dating Tim Burton. And she yep. was with Tim Burton for yonks. She was with him for like yeah. 
Yonks. She was on them for Yonks. She was with Kenneth Branagh for yeah. like five years, and then for like two seconds. Oh. With Tim Burton <laughs> for like um thirteen years, and then she broke yeah. up with him in two thousand fourteen. And like, I'm trying to get the timeline of this right. Cinderella came out in two thousand fifteen. <laughs> Um, which she was yeah. in as the fairy godmother. It was, like, the first movie that she did after breaking up with Tim Burton, who had had, like, the monopoly on her film career for, like, a decade. And the first movie yeah. that she does is the Kenneth Branagh movie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yikes. Yikes. Shit, look, shit happens, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just... Oh, I forgot Derek Jackie was in this. Holy shit. Of course he is. Anyway. Yeah, he, he fucking... Yeah, he is. Oh my god, that movie breaks my fucking heart. Okay, you brought it up, which means that we have to dip into this. <laughs> I love the live-action Cinderella. I own it's two films. Good. I own two films on Blu-ray. I don't really believe in Blu-rays, like, whatever, I don't care. You know what they are? They are Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella and Kenneth Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> I didn't. I is, forgot what the second one was. It is because uh, they're just both so lush. Like the, every single detail of every frame of that Cinderella is. It, it's production designed exquisitely. The costumes are fabulous. The color palettes are like super perfect. Um, and and they're really evocative. And the way that in in a way that is very in keeping with the kind of broad strokes fairy tale storytelling. The performances are fucking great. And and Richard Madden and it, they just have they have great chemistry and then the thing the prince's dad dies and it's really upsetting oh and there's right this beautiful, he's the king no, oh, there's right. this beautiful okay. shot so it's richard yeah because Derek jacoby plays the king and so he dies and richard madden breaks into down into tears as you would if your beloved parent just died in front of you and he is sitting in a chair and he gets up and he curls up next to his father's body on the uh, on his bed and the camera <laughs> the camera just pulls up and it, there's no cut it just pulls up and away and spirals up and up and up and up and up into a fade to like give him privacy and it's beautiful yeah and and oh my god, why am I blanking on her fucking name? Um Lily James. Lily and it's Lily James who is just like radiant and I love her in everything. And the two of them are like, they're the right age for one another. Like they're they're perfectly reasonable as a romantic couple, and they have gangbusters chemistry, and Kate Blanchett is in that movie, and I fucking love it. Yeah, Richard Madden and Lily James also played Romeo and Juliet together in the kind of broadcast. Oh, they did, yes, they did. Which is, is so funny because it's like Richard Madden dies on Game of Thrones, uh, and then yeah. And is like, I'm adopting it's... you now. And cast I mean, Cinderella yes. like, what's that like to wear some tight pants like everybody else I've known in my life? Like, cast in these movies? Look, uh, I'm just saying, I, I don't ca- I try not to cast pants. dispersions on any, I try not to make assumptions or, or comments about anybody's, uh, sexual orientation who I don't actually know. All I'm gonna say right now is Kenneth Branagh really likes to uh, cast very, very, very attractive young men and then put them in, like, 
un just just unfathomably tight pants. Like so the thing <laughs> so for for the they took all these photos like to do the posters and stuff for for Cinderella. Uh, and Richard Madden's pants were so tight <laughs> that they had to airbrush out his penis. <laughs> God. So, uh, so not only the the tight pants and Much Ado About Nothing, the tight pants and Cinderella. Um, all of those shots of Tom Hiddleston's crotch in as Loki in the first Thor movie, yeah. like Ken. Look, you know, mood. The man just just knows how to photograph and appreciate beautiful men as well as beautiful women. Which, like, thank you. There's not that much else to say about Much Ado About Nothing, except that's kind of the plot. (laughs) Is like, there's a bunch of really beautiful young men, and they wear really tight pants in it. And uh, Emma Thompson is... And they have a lot of feelings. Emma Thompson is, like, (laughs) transcendent, and the reason I am the person I am today... Um, Every... She she is everything in that movie. Like... That watching Emma Thompson play Beatrice is like you're sitting there and you're like, you know, they say that Hamlet is like the whole human experience, and I kind of want you to play Hamlet, but I also feel like you don't need to because I just saw you play the whole human experience. experience. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Oof. Fuck, I love that movie. <laughs> A couple things related to Much Ado. One, I didn't see it until like last year or the year before. Yeah, but literally the day I was born, it was in theater. You guys have heard the story a million yeah. times. Yeah, I love it. Cracks me up. The day I was born, uh, my parents were like, well, fuck it, baby's due in four days. And they walked around the mall and went to go see that and got out of Much Ado. And apparently I, in utero, was like, dude, it's time to fucking exist <laughs> if this is the shit that's in the world. <laughs> and uh, like, pretty, soon, <laughs> pretty soon after that, they went to the hospital and I showed up. You, so. you heard Keanu Reeves and you were just like, yeah, that's right. I, I want to be where that it's is. Time. Yeah. I want to be <laughs> And then the, the second thing. Are is is the fact that Keanu Reeves was in this movie and uh, we all know was not great. <laughs> Bless his heart was He's not great. So bad, but it's so perfect. <laughs> I know. Um he was not was not the best. Uh but he was surrounded by all these fucking phenomenal actors. Uh and instead of being like, well I can just coast on my Neo fame forever um, oh no! He wasn't yet. Neo yet. But what the fuck yeah, no. was? Why, how the fuck did they end up in that movie then? No, oh, Bill, Bill and Ted. Ted. I mean, I um, mean other stuff. <laughs> I could coast on, yeah, but he could coast on Bill and Ted forever. And he was like, you know what? Actually, no. I'm going to get better at my craft because, like, oh, you know what else he had done? Uh, what? My own private Idaho and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, <laughs> a little, oh, yeah. a little movie right. called Oh no. and Point Break, but also he had done Bram Stoker. <laughs> when did that fucking movie come 92. out? Ninety two. We just saw it. Oh, you're right. Um, yeah. Circus Dracula, baby. Yeah, so, but he d- was in this movie with all these phenomenal actors, and instead of being like, well, whatever, I guess, he was like, oh, these people are, like, masters at their craft, and, like, I, that is something that I should do as well. Even though he was already pretty well known, he decided, no, I'm gonna go, he went back and took acting classes to, like, get better at his craft Aww. because of this movie. So, you can think much to do about oh, yeah. nothing for John Wick. <laughs> I love. <laughs> and you know the what? Matrix. Fuck yeah. Also, just, like, shout out to the fucking location, all of the the location shooting in Tuscany, where it's just, like, you cannot buy or manufacture that fucking sunlight. And, like, everybody just... 
looks so like luminous at all times. This movie has one of my favorite openings ever, which begins with them like <laughs> after after Emma Thompson is reading this letter in or poem in the tree, and then um the messenger arrives. They have the overture, which is like this bombastic, like and with all of the, so good. all of the men come back from the war on horseback, and it's every single time there's like a like a big chord. There's a shot of every single one of them on horseback, like coming to coming back from war, and they get closer uh, each time. It's like the Weeping Angels. It's so good. It's like Kenneth <laughs> Branagh, Denzel out. Washington, Robert Sean Leonard, Keanu Reeves, and even the guy you know, playing Baracho and everybody's, and everybody's got good great hair, and these these and they white look so so jackets, proud of themselves, and they all just look so hot. It's and so good. I know, they just look so self satisfied. <laughs> and then and then cut to immediately and like they're all coming back and everybody's like time to get naked (laughs) and it's just like butts butts everywhere man i'm because everyone's just like joyfully like strips down and like takes a bath i'm gonna i don't know i don't care it's all it's all this like billowing white linen and then just like flashes of ass of like various genders and like everyone's just so beautifully exuberant it's great i'm gonna i'm gonna share the uh youtube video with you so we can tweet it out when it happens it really does if you haven't seen it it really does need to be seen to be appreciated absolutely um it's very (sighs) special um anyway let's talk about other stuff (laughs) this fucking google doc is so long um this is uh, beloved listeners i would just like to point out so originally this episode was going to come out on my birthday so me screaming about ken Branagh movies for like an hour is something we've always like something we have been planning to do but it is also kind of my birthday present from uh, Maddie and Helena. Happy birthday! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because the original originally we had an episode come out on your birthday, and yeah. so we were going to be like for Ezra's birthday, we're going to let them talk about what they want to talk about, which is <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Um, <laughs> and then it just didn't it didn't end up working out. So this is Ezra's birthday episode. I wanted, I was going to mention it at the beginning, um, but I didn't want to be like. Everyone shut the fuck up! It's Ezra's birthday now! <laughs> Fair. But it's Ezra's birthday, so. Thank you. Ugh, so we should pivot to, um... So, Ken Branagh has all of this success, and especially, like, when he and Emma Thompson were married, like, people just went absolutely, like, the press, they just went fucking nutters. For the two of them, they were they were just this this like next in in this long line of golden couples like Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> yep, and you know they were getting they were getting talked about like that though, like Maggie Smith and and Richard or Robert Stevens. Um, sure, you know these these great who are uh, Toby Stevens' parents, incidentally. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Maggie Smith. Yeah, Weird. Maggie Smith is Toby Stevens' mom. <laughs> the, shit you, the shit you just never <laughs> learn when you don't yeah. pay attention. This is true. Um, and then he just sort of, you know, some shit happens. Like, uh, his adaptation of Frankenstein was not particularly well received. Um, we've, we've seen it. Uh, Maddie and I watched it together. I was, I think, pretty drunk when we watched yes. that movie, which was uh-huh. fun. Um, it's, it's all over. The, it's, I think it's actually like, it does justice to the tone of the novel. It is very much a gothic thriller. Um, but mostly I spent a lot of time yelling, give Ken Branagh pneumonia again. 
I don't want it anyway. That's that's um. actually it's actually credited uh, much like Bram Stoker's Dracula. That is credited as yes. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mary Shelley's Dracula. She she produced it. Mary yeah. Shelley's yeah. Dracula, which is what I said. Mary Shelley <laughs> woke up from a trance where she was you know having sex with her boyfriend on the graveyard somewhere when she was you know eighteen or something. It was like, hold on, yeah. I have to time travel and produce an adaptation of the novel I'm going to write. While fucking Lord Byron is doing coke on a lake somewhere. Bye. Yeah, then she died again. again. And then she died again. Yep. So, um, and just like he, he sort of some some of his his kind of early success uh blew up in his face a little bit. There was a lot of backlash. Um, and he kind of just had a weird dead period where he wasn't like he wasn't making a lot of like big scale films um and then i i swear i swear i'm getting somewhere but then like the the one of the big things that people were that really kind of put him back on the map in terms of like film and and television stuff which he had never really done that much tv before was uh the wallander series Mm. which aired on pbs which is um an adaptation (laughs) yeah it's 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 (laughs) depression the detective show um you thought fucking broadchurch was sad (laughs) i honestly wallander is like genuinely some of his best work like he is oh it's fucking phenomenal amazing and everything but i'm just like oh man it's it's just somebody who has you know aged into this role and they're just really they're yeah he's he's perfect for that part and he's really wonderful in it he's he's just oh, he's so, so the thing good. the thing with kurt wallander is that part of the reason that he's a good detective but it's really hard for him is that he he's been doing this for a really really long time he's a he's a detective with the stockholm police department um or the, he goes all over the place he's he's kind of like sweden's best murder investigator effectively but the thing about him is that he just has never really developed any like emotional calluses oh no he's raw like, he's just the he's, he's a raw nerve all the time every single case gets to him like it's his first murder investigation yes and Kenneth Branagh is good at a great number of things, but one of the things I think that he is best at is just pure emotional vulnerability on screen. He just he just hurts really compellingly. Which is like yeah. a kind of awful thing to say, but it's true. You know, he, he he's just he's so he does fragility in a way that not a whole lot of other men do on screen. He's very um, vulnerable. Um, yeah. And it's like cathartic to watch him in some way. <sighs> yeah. It's, and it's, it can be really hard to watch too, because it's just, he he's just a wreck for so much of that show. And also just like the rest of it's, it, it it's shot fucking gorgeously it's all almost all of it's set in the summer in southern sweden so there's just these beautiful landscapes and this like crazy lighting and all this stuff and uh baby-faced golden curly haired tom hiddleston yeah we lad in in full-on we lad mode baby boy where people are like from before uh loki fame that's the first thing i saw him in was wallander yeah it's the first thing that i saw him in too uh, was was Wallander. He plays one of the uh, other um, 
kind of investigating like tech people. guy yeah he's he's like their tech guy um and he and he and ken Brennis, he he and kurt wander have this really interesting kind of antagonistic but close relationship yeah they have they um, have a back and forth that's that's good yeah and so this is where we get into uh it's time for ezra to run really fast through the story of how ken branna <laughs> made tom hiddleston <laughs> yeah because he kind of did so tom it, it's it's um oh fuck i don't even remember what year it is i'd have to look this up again i had a time i was gonna make a timeline and then i fucking didn't every time so uh flashback to whatever year it is like 2005 or something um the donmar warehouse uh under i think sam mendes was still the artistic director mounts a very high profile production of othello starring chwedel Ejiofor mm. as othello and ewan mcgregor who has not been on stage in a very long time as iago Sexy. Which is like, where can I get my hands on this oh, production? There is a, Please, if you are God. curious, there is no there is no video, but there is a commercially available audio of it. They, they recorded it and it, it is fucking stunning. And playing Michael Cassio is a newcomer fresh out of the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art called Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's about, he looks like he, one, I mean, the man looks like he's made out of toothpicks. Um, he has this shock of, like, golden curly hair. He looks like a golden retriever. And he, oh, he gives this, he gives this really unusual performance as Cassio, where most Cassios these days are somehow sleazy. Like they're they're just not as innocent as they as as they claim to be. Nobody plays Cassio as being as innocent as he claims to be. And then Tom Hiddleston comes along, and everything about him is is innocent, ex- youthful, exuberant, feeling maliciously misinterpreted, and it's heartbreaking because he looks like a he's fucking angelic and he just gets caught up in this and he can't understand why Iago would possibly want to hurt him at all and he holds his own he he's he's fucking like luminous playing against these playing against Chwedle Ejiofor and Ewan McGregor who are like people are flying in from all over the world to see them in in Othello and they're coming out talking about Tom Hiddleston so Ken Brenna goes to see this and is like, holy, you know, it's just like, I'm on fire. This kid's amazing. Gets him an audition and ends up cast. He ends up in a production of Chekhov's Ivanov, which gets mounted on the West End like a year or two later. And it is Kenneth Brenna hasn't been on stage in like nine or ten years. Um, he hasn't made a high-profile or commercially successful movie in quite a while. He's kind of this weird... He's starting to feel like this weird story of kind of like live fast, die young kind of a thing. Not actually die, but like careers-wise. And this play is a smash hit. He wins an Olivier. It is this crazy success because especially and like Ivanov's not even that good a play like it's one of Chekhov's earlier works it's basically Chekhov does Hamlet um it's really not one of his great works but this production is fucking just like apeshit great and then he goes on he's like come do Wallander with me and then he gets offered the Thor directing gig and is like 
I want Tom Hiddleston for this. Yeah. Who originally auditioned, he put on like 25 pounds of muscle to audition for <laughs> Thor, and then they were like, oh, buddy, no. not gonna happen. <laughs> no. But we no, want you to be Loki. <laughs> he got, yeah, he got fucking yoked, and then they were like, uh, pinch his no. nose. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, I have brother. some bad news. <laughs> and so that's the story of why I uh, laugh really hard whenever people post that gift set of t- uh, Chris Hemsworth being like, haha, I'm Tom Hiddleston's number one fan, and I'm like, Kenneth Branagh, like, just sipping a cocktail in the distance, like, sure, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, they're like, they are symbiotic. They they have, like, they are. created, helped create both of each other's careers. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, yeah, especially and, and- with Tom Hiddleston, though. Absolutely, but also like the the he he that relationship really like also revitalized his career. And then um, this was last year or two years ago now. So they they had like we know they've been making reference to it. They've been talking about Ken directing Tom and Hamlet for a really long time. And of course, have they? Oh God, because it happened and nobody saw it. You know why? They finally are like, let's just make this happen. Like, our schedules are, like, the stars are never going to align for us to be able to do this is a big thing. What we're going to do is we're going to mount a production for RADA. Because they both are alumni of the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And they, as a benefit, they do a super limited run, tickets uh, available only by lottery, um, where he, where Tom Hiddleston plays Hamlet, but the rest of the cast are students from RADA. Ooh. He comes back, and it's, it was like three weeks of performances or something, tiny little theater. Um, I don't actually know anybody who saw it. Like, I, I, I read stuff from people who saw it, and it was exactly what you would have expected out of that collaboration. Uh, Tom Hiddleston was a very, it was just really fucking sad in like but like beautifully beautifully sad beautiful attention to text beautiful just space for emotions to breathe etc 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 and one more thing i'm sorry this is taking so long but this is just like i get super emotional about this whatever don't ignore me so this is uh people thought this was apocryphal but it's it might be semi-apocryphal, but there's this story that there is a red leather-bound copy of Hamlet that I believe Laurence Olivier had when he played the role. He gave it to Derek Jacobi. It was originally John Gilgood's, I think. It was originally Gilgood's, that's what yeah. it is. So Gilgood has this red leather-bound copy of Hamlet. He gives it to Olivier. Olivier gives it to Derek Jacobi. And Derek Jacobi in like 1992 gives it to Kenneth Branagh and he has, he just keeps it. And so, and it's sort of people, it occasionally comes up as like, oh, like, who's he going to give it to? Who's he going to give it to? Well, he directed Tom Hiddleston and Hamlet and he gave him the Hamlet. Yeah. So Tom Hiddleston now has the red leather bound Gilgood Hamlet. The idea was that they would each pass it off to who was the, who what they thought was the best, like, Hamlet of their generation or like that particular yeah. actor's generation um yeah i just i really just want to see i know that the ages aren't quite right i just really want to see a production of hamlet with with hiddleston again and kind of gonna <sighs> playing uh his the father um 
But I would also <gasps> die. Would die. Because like <laughs> also gas. Because like yeah. obviously yes, Claudius, but also also just like I just want no. to see him no. like hold his side. I yeah. mean he should he should just do the thing where he plays both, because yeah. that's the best. Oh stop. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh fuck yes. Shut that's up, my yes. favorite. Oh, yeah, please. Oh, come on. No. Oh, fuck. Gal- <laughs> I gotcha. Um also this is me, and I would just like to point out that I uh called this in 2012 so when it eventually happens i will feel very vindicated but i am reiterating it now it'll be on the internet for everyone to see someday kenneth Branagh is going to play king lear and i think that tom hiddleston is going to play the fool ah. oh stop i hate I'm you so <laughs> <laughs> i hate you i, I can't fucking menace. believe this oh god hey ezra do you reckon uh, oh, okay no no he'll be too old what? it won't work i was gonna be like who I was gonna be like, who's gonna play Kent? And I was like, it would be really sweet if Derek Jack could play Kent, but the ages won't be right. <gasps> but yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, agony. I'm in agony. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. So I'm I, I'm so glad that we all just made ourselves sad on our own fucking podcast. having a Hamlet feeling over here. Sorry. Having a Hamlet oh, feeling. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, speaking of like just speaking of feelings like kenneth branagh directs movies where he uh lets men cry and i think it's really important yeah and they don't angry cry either they, they don't like, just it is so yeah. much yeah. crying in henry five there's so much and, crying yeah and because oh. people it's like people men are allowed to cry when they're frustrated when they're sad when they feel betrayed when they're when they're just overwhelmed like it, they get to inhabit the full range of human emotional vulnerability without ever having that like oh shit now i gotta put it all back in the masculinity box afterward like kenneth branagh is in dunkirk for like 10 fucking minutes one he looks like unreasonably fucking sexy in that movie it's ridiculous (laughs) true i don't have a thing for naval uniforms what are you talking about shut up don't talk to me (laughs) don't at me but he had one he gets like the best line in that whole movie where he's like you can practically see it from here and um oh the dude from he was an agent carter what's his fucking name i don't know what it's what James Darcy, not ah, Brian yes. Darcy James, who's the guy who was a Broadway yes. star. James Darcy's like, what? And he just says, home. And his voice yeah. breaks a little bit. And he's like, he's tearing up. And I'm just like, oh, cool. I'm crying in the club. This is fine. The, the moment that always gets <laughs> me in... Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Maddie. I was gonna say, the moment in Dunkirk, and maybe this is also the one you're thinking of, the part at the end uh, where they're like, oh, they came for us. Uh, and they're <gasps> like, Ken, Ken, do you want to come? And he's like, no, I'm gonna stay for them. And they're like, what? And he's like, I'm gonna stay for the French. Yeah. Ken, do you yeah. wanna come? Oh. Come on, Ken. Uh, Ken, get Ken. in the boat. His character's name's Ken. <laughs> please, um, he's like, like, please, you're, like, important. He's like, no, I believe. No. <laughs> Ken, literally, you're in charge of all these people. And he's like, no, send them back. I'm, I'm gonna wait for the French. And it's like, stop. I was, no, I was actually gonna say, it. I was gonna pivot to my favorite, the moment that always, like, gets me, that I thought in Henry V, I mean, multiple moments, but there's one moment that I thought, like, as I was watching, I was like, huh, I'm not, uh, I'm not crying yet. And then all of a sudden, it was like this, that kind of, like, upwelling of emotion. We're just like, (gasps) yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's the moment. Are you talking about the? No. Yeah. What? No, I'm just sorry. I'm I'm preempting your sentence. Please. I'd be happy to know what your guess is, but there's, it's multiple moments. Um, But this, this one in particular was the, um, 
towards the end after the they have killed um all of the boys mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. he's he's had the moment with with Montjoy where he where he's like oh we've won and he's just kind of mm-hmm. standing there looking a little bit desolate it's like well that was fucking for nothing wasn't it and Ian Holm as Flynn comes up to him and is oh. and has the speech about um you know I'm Welsh you're fucking Welsh I'm happy to be Welsh as long as you're an honest and good man. And he says, he does that whole thing about, I am Welsh, you know. And then he hugs him and, like, cries into his shoulder, his little tiny Ian Holm shoulder. And then he just holds him and says, like, you know, I am your majesty's countryman and, and all that stuff. And, and, and Kenneth Branagh just is, like, he's, he's not, he's not, like, sobbing anymore, but he, he just, like, makes, he's just, like, making these little, like, these just these sounds of, like, trying to breathe, but he's just, exhausted and and crying and and broken at the same time but he's also joyful in that moment and it's just like gets me every single time and i just (gasps) overloaded like a laptop fan uh anyway (laughs) gets me and then just the and then the no 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 the other moment Uh. the other moment that did that to me like the same exact reaction was earlier in the tavern when they're all saying goodbye to to host us quickly and and nim is like i'm not gonna kiss you but i will give you this token of my affection and i'm like oh you're all gonna die you're never gonna see each other again oh the the one the one that gets me is um the execution of uh pistol pistol uh bardolf 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 yeah Rest in peace, Richard Briars. Yeah, I. Oh God, I just remembered, man. Rest in peace, Richard Briars. There's a fantastic, uh, made-for-TV production of The Winter's Tale that, not The Winter's Tale, fuck, of uh, Twelfth Night that has nothing to do with Kenneth Branagh, but Richard Briars played uh Malvolio, and Adrian oh. Noble is in it as uh Festy. Find it, like it's at the library and shit. It's so fucking good. It's a film stage production, so like if you're not into that, you're not into that. But it is one of my favorite Twelfth Nights. Um, oh, dope. Like obviously, we're gonna do a Shakespeare adaptations episode or series of episodes at some point, and I'll yell about it more later. But that just reminded me. Yeah, we're talking about um, all the sexy versions of Twelfth Night, including the one where Toby yeah. Stevens plays Orsino and I die. Yeah. What? Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, Excuse. Googling at yeah. the moment. Got you. Um, so I'm gonna, I will, that is a good segue into if you like filmed productions of Shakespeare specifically and plays in general, um, they are re-releasing the Winter's Tale that was from the Kenneth Branagh Theatre Company, uh, at the Gar- the, the plays at the Garrick, um, from 2017, I think, which stars Kenneth Branagh and Hadley Fraser and judy dench um and it is coming back to theaters this december um some places earlier in the month like i know up where i am it's not until the 22nd but like uh it's playing all over the place if you have the opportunity to go see it i highly encourage you to do so it is a just really really warm-hearted and rich take on the play it's the design is really great um and it has a very everybody in that play or almost everybody in that play is 
middle-aged in a way that I think makes it really interesting, where it's it's all of the conflicts and things that have happened have so much weight because it's people who have known and loved each other for most of their lives turning Ugh. on one another and having things fall apart. And it's just really meaty. Uh, and and obviously, like, Judy Dench is a national goddamn treasure, and her performance in this play is fucking aces, and you should go see it if you have a chance. She's incredible. <sighs> She's just incredible. And Hadley Frazier and Kenneth Branagh have gangbusters chemistry. Yeah, also. don't talk to me about too- that. Do not I mean, talk to me about do. that. When he shows They're up in Murder so on the Orient together. Express, and like, like for like five minutes at the very beginning, <laughs> and the first time I saw that in theaters with uh, former podcast guests and front of the pod, Leia, of course, and I lean, I was like, I like, was watching this, and I was like, are they like, is it? Because there's like a weird energy, and I was like, <laughs> are, are they flirting? <laughs> but are they gonna? And then, so he, I don't know, he says something to him that's like, that's like kind of a double entendre, but not really, where I was like... Hercule, he really cares about you in a way that he never would if he was being played by anybody else right now. Yeah, and Hadley yeah, Frazier has a mustache. I'm dying. Stop this. I love him. It's it's. There's two movies where t- where uh, Hadley Frazier gives like blink and you'll miss it gorgeous performances with terrible mustaches and they are lay biz <laughs> and murder on the orient express boy sucks where yeah. kind of sucks how the Hadley best Frazier. performance in lay miz was hadley Frazier and he was barely in it huh i know right seriously where you're like hadley Frazier was in that was literally in that film for like actually less than a minute three seconds yeah it's it's like it's like the length of like a slow inhale and exhale and he's still better than like half the people in that movie (laughs) no offense to the actors who are still in that movie particularly george blackton whom i love dearly but like and i'm also rewatching vikings right now what's up george um but (laughs) like friend of the podcast george friend of the podcast george blackton friend of my heart george blackton uh also ross grotter shipper (laughs) Noted Algeros Grotter Chipper, George Blackton. Yeah, George um, Blackton. The only, the only person from whom I will actually accept Algeros Grotter Chipping, <laughs> George Blackton. Um, but yeah, it's just the best in the film. Anyway. Um, oh, and one more uh, fun th- thing of if you want to see Kenneth Branagh be like overtly homoerotic, <laughs> he did not direct Lawrence Fishburne in Othello. He's just in it as Iago. Oh no. His Iago is a homosexual. Like, (laughs) as it should be. I mean, like, kind of as it should be, but also, like, there, he, it's gay and it's great. Like, Lawrence Fishburne is fucking killer in that role. There's a bunch of fabulous people in it. Um, but, like, their relationship is so well played out, but it is also just, like, Man, people apparently like after that movie came out, they were like, "Hmm, that was pretty uh homoerotic." And it's like, yeah, he absolutely said something to the effect of like, "Oh, that's how I am with all my friends," or something like that. And I'm like, (laughs) he has a whole, has a whole speech about like how he's describing the 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 setup to Othello, where he talks about being in bed with Cassio and stroking him, and and Cassio calling out Desdemona's name in his sleep while he's with him, and it's like. Yep. Hello? That's just the play. Yep. That's just what he wrote. And Kenneth Branagh Yanko was just like, fucked. oh yeah, it's just what he wrote. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm anyway. just saying. 
any any final thoughts we should yeah. um my final thoughts are uh don't watch wild Wa- west um please <laughs> save yourself <laughs> do I was not expecting that do watch the road to el dorado with <laughs> do what yeah do watch the road to el dorado i'm gonna um there's this weird little movie if you can find it that's called a month in the country oh no yeah it's called a month in the country um that i think that has uh like in, it's like from like 1987 it has like infant Ken Brana and Colin Firth in it and they're both um traumatized <gasps> World War One veterans who are like wandering around in the Lake District and Ken Brana's like fitting like fixing up an old church or something it's real sweet and real gay I remember this yes sir um I have that I I yeah that's that's uh if you can find it uh do that and also um I can't remember what festival circuit it was but it was fairly early on kenneth branagh had a film at some festival and another there was there was a uh a weird 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 fucking adaptation of romeo and juliet that was very like edgy and like bdsm influenced or something um playing at the same festival and of course mr shakespeare or whatever they ask him about it and he's like, I mean, on the one, he's like, honestly, like, Romeo and Juliet was supposed to be, like, racy and titillating, so, sure. And then they're, like, he's, like, looking at, like, the, the like, some kind of page of just, like, fast facts about this film. And you can find this interview, and he just says something to the, the and, and, and the, the, he just says the phrase, it's like, ah, soundtrack by arse ponies. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. <laughs> and, and just with with this just in this like perfect like huh that's interesting deadpan oh, and so for a really a long man. time my uh fucking tag for ken brana on my mostly defunct tumblr was soundtrack by arse ponies <laughs> perfect and on that note (laughs) and on that note i'm just i will see myself and the podcast out (laughs) we'll be back don't worry you can't get rid of us that easy (laughs) if you hit that subscribe button we're just always there in your phone (laughs) terrifying terrifying yelling about kenneth branagh films (laughs) yelling Thanks for hanging out with us here on Sneeple at the Movies from the Infinity Break Network. Check out infinitybreak.net for more awesome content and come hit us up on Twitter at people underscore snake or shoot us an email at sneeple at the movies at gmail.com. Our amazing music was done by Johnny Ronaldo, who you can find at at Johnny Ronaldo on Twitter. Our super snazzy logo was designed by Bethany Luthold. Check her out at Bethany Luthold. That's L-E-U-T-H-O-L-D dot Wix site, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. If you've got a subject you want to hear us talk about, a movie you absolutely think we need to see, or if you want Ezra to dig out their a collection of weird Ken Brand-themed Valentines that somebody posted on Tumblr a million <laughs> years ago, come say hello. Also, if you can, please leave a review on iTunes and share the show with any friends who you think would enjoy it. Any way you can help spread the news really helps us keep our momentum going, and we would really appreciate it. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the movies. Thank you.